Well, hello, family. Thank you for joining me again. I don't know if you are tuning in uh, and watching me on a video or if you're listening to me on Spotify. Either way, I'm glad you're here. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul has been building up to this chapter. If you examine his narrative, we're right now in Ephesians chapter 6 at the crescendo. So this is an exciting point and I'm I just want to dig right in. I just want to jump right in. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your word. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you that you kept us throughout this week. And we give you all the praise and glory for what we're going to receive out of this lesson by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I am so grateful for God allowing me to get involved in this series because I have learned a lot. I hope you have too. And if you have, leave me, leave me a comment. If you need prayer, please put your prayer request in the comment section. And so just know that if you put a prayer there, I will be praying for you. So let's dig in. My name is Pastor D. I'm from the Heights Church, and this is Devos with D. So we're in Ephesians chapter 6 again. And you know I keep saying that because I want to make sure you know where we are. So if you need to run and get your Bible, etc., your iPad, whatever it is, you can do that. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the duties of children and parents. He also talks about something that's really a touchy subject, even today. It's the subject of slaves and masters. And what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about that. Because when people uh, read that, they're thinking of what slavery was like in America. But I want to tell you what slaves um, had to deal with in Israel back in ancient times. And this information I got from the Mishpotim or Mishpatim or Mishpatim. And it is from the Torah or Torah. Anyway, slaves only served six years. And then in the seventh year, they were freed. A devoted slave could opt to stay with his master. If a master killed or injured a slave, like if they killed the slave, the master, the penalty was death. So they weren't going to kill their slaves. If they injured the slave, if the slave was injured, they would then become free. If a slave took refuge, like the slave ran away and took refuge with someone, you did not have to return them to their master. And we see an instance of this in uh, scripture with the Apostle Paul and a slave called Onesimus. And he was a slave of Philemon's. And so in the book of Philemon, you see Paul talking to Philemon about Onesimus. But Paul did send Onesimus back to Philemon. So you read it in the book of Philemon. Slaves were not property. See, in America, slaves were property. They were dehumanized. They, they were subhuman. But that was not so in Israel. So a totally different setup. So that's why we have to study so that we understand the root of what we're studying. Also, Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, standing against the enemy of our soul. And who is that? It's the devil. I'm going to do a little recap of 
all of the books that we've studied, or the, I should say the chapters that we study within the book of Ephesians. And here we go. In Ephesians 1, Paul told us exactly what it means to be believers. In Ephesians 2, he reflected on man's state of paganism, and he described the gospel's privileges and the blessings of the gospel. In chapter 3, he spoke specifically of the Gentiles being in the same league as the Jews, meaning they were on the same playing field because this was a new revelation of the plan of God that he went to the Jews first, they rejected him, and now the door opened to the Gentiles. So now they're on the same playing field. He, in the chapter 4, Paul called us to brotherly love and unity. In chapter 5, he spoke of concerns, concerns about the Ephesian church's behavior, and he warned of consequences. He reminded them of who they were before Christ and who they should be in Christ. Also in Ephesians chapter 5, he described how we should interact with others. So let's look at the scripture for tonight. Again, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 to 2, verses 5 through 6, verses 9 through 11, and then verse 18 in the NIV. So stick with me. I hope you have your Bible open so you can look at these verses with me. Here we go. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of the heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism in him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. The word is good. So how am I going to sum up this final chapter in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6? I'm going to probably give you about three to four points, and I hope that they'll stick with you, and they will encourage you, and they will strengthen you. The first one is give honor where honor is due. Give honor where honor is due. Romans 13 and 7 in the ESV says this, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We should honor our parents. Scripture tells us it'll allow us to have a long life upon the earth. 
We should honor our parents because they are our parents. And do they do everything right? No. No, they don't. Do they apologize when they need to apologize? Not always. But we should still respect them. Well, they weren't the nicest people I ever lived with. I understand that. I had a father that wasn't a nice person. But I still had to learn how to honor him as a father. We should honor teachers. Oh, no, you got to be kidding. Honor the teachers? Yes. Because they are pouring their lives out for you. Honor your boss. Let me tell you, this was a tough one. There was one particular boss that I had that I was constantly in contention with and the Lord just shook me up. He said, you need to shut your yap and you need to honor your boss. You can say what you say, but do it respectfully. Let's look in 1 Peter 2.17 in the ESV. It says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God honor the emperor. Wow. Paul was even telling them to honor the emperor. And you know, he was not a nice person, but we are giving honor where honor is due. Honor people subordinate to you. That is something I think that we don't think about very often. Honoring those who are under us in some way. Because maybe you're in a leadership position or you're a CEO or you're exec of some kind. But yes, honoring those who are subordinate to us. I remember when I was in the military and there was a situation early in my career where a young nurse was really not very nice to me. She treated me very shabbily. And later in my military career, as I had grown in rank, I ended up being her boss. I remember telling my children about, you remember that person I talked about that had treated me so mean, had been so awful to me, had caused me to really have a just terrible days on end. I told them, I'm that person's boss. They said, are you going to get her? I said, no, because that's not God's way. God's not, he doesn't want us to take vengeance. Vengeance is his. So I treated her with honor because she was still due honor as a human being. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 27 in the ESV. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. In that instance in the military was in my power to do that young lady good. And I pray that when she saw that I wasn't going to treat her the way she treated me, it had an impact in her life. We can love people to Jesus. Listen to this quote. I, I saw it on Pinterest and it's by Eleanor Pepper. And it said this, show respect even when people don't deserve it. Not as a reflection of their character, but a reflection of yours. Wow. Doesn't that have an impact? That kind of slaps you in the face, doesn't it? Well, it does for me because I know that I had to learn that. I wasn't always good about this, about giving honor where honor was due. It took time, but God can work it. He can work it in you if you allow him. So the second thing is, be strong in the Lord. When I was in the military, the 
the army has uh, physical fitness. You know, they're building your strength. And then they have skill training. And they do this in basic training. You know, that I mean, you have to endure some tough things in basic training. But they do all of this before they give you any weapons. They don't just go ahead and put weapons right in your hands. They have to make you strong and build you up and let you know how, as a soldier, you are to act. God wants us strong. We're part of the army of God. But there are things that can definitely sap our strength. I was reading this uh, from Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he was a Welsh minister, and he was also a medical doctor. And he shared some of the things, and I, I really agree with this list that he shared about things that can sap our strength, and we need to be aware of them. Committing to too many spiritual works or things. Too much conversation. It is just yakking, yakking, yakking. We need to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Arguments, debates, wrangling. That means bickering and brawling. Laziness can hinder us. Too much time in the wrong company. Too much foolish talk and jesting. Love of money and career. A desire for respectability and image. An unequal yoke with an unbeliever. And that occurs quite a bit, brothers and sisters, where we get a soul tie with someone else and we end up marrying an unbeliever. But God can still work in that marriage. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever doubt it. Ungodly entertainment. What's going into your eye gates and your ear gate? What's getting in there? Because it's going to change what's in your heart. And then a wrong attitude toward or doubting the word of God. We can't be strong if these things are sapping our strength, brothers and sisters. And we need to be strong so that we can endure to the end. In 1 Samuel 30, David was at Ziklag. And he and his men had gone off to fight. But when they came back, after about three days, the Amalekites had burned everything to the ground had taken all of their women, children, brothers, sisters, had taken all of their goods, and they hadn't killed the people that they took, but they were gone with all of this possessions and families of these men. And the people were so, so upset, they wanted to stone David. His men got so mad, they were weeping and wailing. Men weeping, wailing because of their loss. And they didn't know anything else to do but to target David. David went to God. He went to the priest and he asked God what he should do. And God told him, you go after him and I will cause you to get back all that you lost. So we need to be strong in the Lord. David went to the Lord. David could have ran out on his own because he was a mighty man of battle. But he went to the Lord. God's power is what makes us strong. Not by spells or incantations. It's supernaturally infused by our relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. That is how we gain strength. 
And, you know, a lot of people say, well, ooh, you know, uh, religion is, or Christianity seems so mystical. Well, it is spiritual. Our God is a spirit. And we have to worship him in spirit and truth. So we need to operate, learn how to operate more in the spirit. But it doesn't mean that we're lunatics. It doesn't mean that we're crazy. We operate by the rules of our kingdom. And we do have rules in our kingdom. And this strength that God will put in us is for us to do the work. Don't be expecting, I want power, I want power. And you're not doing a thing but sitting at home. You're not helping anyone. You're not ministering to anyone. You're not serving anyone. Don't expect to see God's power manifest. It's kind of an oxymoron there. We need to know that that power will come as we move in the things of God. In Isaiah 40, 31 in the Message Bible, it says this. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get weary. They walk and they don't lag behind. So with the kind of strength that God gives us, we'll never lag behind. We won't be behind. We'll be ahead. We'll be able to do all that God has called us to do because we allowed him to work in our lives. The third thing, wear God's armor. Oh yeah, God has armor. God is called the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the heavenly armies. Isn't that good? I love it. Yeah, but he's sharing his armor. It's not like the armor that Saul tried to share with David. No, this armor that God gives us is spiritually fitted. And we need to wear every piece of that armor, the helmet, the breastplate, we need the shield, we need the shoes, we need the sword, we need the belt. We need every piece of that armor so that we can go into battle spiritually. Because we're in a fight to the finish. You said what? Yeah, we're in a spiritual battle and we need to be aware of it. A lot of people don't like that because they get scared. Oh, spiritual battle. No, but we're strong in the Lord. And now we have this specially fitted armor. The Message Bible says this. And he's talk, and it's talking about this armor. Put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is for keeps. A life or death fight against the devil and his angels. Oh, yes. It's a spiritual battle, but we're victors. We're conquerors. We're even more than conquerors through him who loves us. Hallelujah. What, remember, we're not fighting people. See, that's the thing. I, I need to distinguish that. We're not fighting people. You say, well, yeah, this person didn't know. It's the spirit that is behind them that we are coming against. We're not coming against people. We love people. Because, see, the devil will use people. He will use them to do things, to try to get at you, to try to make you turn away from God. Listen to what uh, David Gusick said in his commentary. He said, in light of all that God has done for you, 
In light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God, in light of his great plan of the ages that God has made a part of, made you a part of, in light of the conduct God calls every believer to live, in light of the filling of the Spirit in our walk in the Spirit, in light of all of this, there is a battle to fight in this Christian life. Isn't that the truth? I can't say that anyone could have stated it any better. So we have to put on the truth, which is the word of God. We have to be walk in purity, walk in God's righteousness, have faith and hope of salvation. This is what C.S. Lewis said, and I'm sure many of you know who C.S. Lewis is, the Chronicles of Narnia. Aren't those exciting? I, in fact, I never read the books. I do have the books, but I haven't read the books, but I did see all of the movies, and I thought, wow, what an imagination. But there was a spiritual idea behind these fantasy um, novels, and that's the difference. There was something spiritual behind each and every one of them. Okay, we're, we're going to get back to this quote by C.S. Lewis. Enemy-occupied territory, that is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign in sabotage. And who are we sabotaging? We're sabotaging the works of the devil. We are striking against those things that are not of God. The ungodly things that are trying to be perpetrated, we come against those in the spirit. The fourth and final thing, we need to pray in the spirit. Prayer is essential and it's indispensable in a war. We need to have spirit-directed prayer. What do I mean by spirit-directed prayer? That means we're not just rambling, 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 asking for stuff or just randomly praying for stuff. We're listening to the Holy Spirit and then we're directing and targeting that area in prayer. Use your prayer language, which is praying in tongues. Okay, I know this is another hot topic. People don't want to hear about praying in tongues. You can say, la, 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 while I'm talking about this, or you can go off and get a beverage. But there is a prayer language. It talks about you're not speaking to men, but you're speaking to God. So as you are praying, pray in your spirit, in your prayer language. Hallelujah. Then it talks about in scripture, pray often. Pray often. Be consistent in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 in a Passion Translation says this. Make your life a prayer. Woo! That means that your whole life is consumed by prayer. That means you are a walking, talking prayer person. You're thinking about how you can pray and you're focusing it. You're driving and praying. You're in the shower and praying. You're walking down the street and praying. You're focusing as much as you can on things that the Spirit wants you to pray about. I am so grateful, even though we've come to the conclusion of the book of Ephesians, 
I'm grateful for all that Paul has taught us in these six chapters. He has taught us to be valiant in the Lord, to grow in faith, to love God, to walk consistently, to love others, and for us as brothers and sisters in the Lord to be unified. So I thank God for that. And I hope you have gotten something out of it. If you have, leave me a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your word. Thank you. It has impacted our lives for the better. And we know that this word will help us and guide us as we live out this life and live out your plan and purpose in the earth. So we give you praise and honor. We thank you that you sent Paul and allowed Paul to leave this for us so that we could see what you were saying to Paul because the same thing you were saying to Paul, you're saying to us. We give you honor and glory because you are the great king. In Jesus' name.